this week on Trek Mary Kill, to Pring Diplomacy Bingo next. Trek Mary Kill. Hi, I'm Brian. Hi, I'm Eliza. Welcome to Trek Mary Kill, a Star Trek podcast that's more fun than arguing with the Tellarites. This week, we have a special guest co-host, Aliza Pearl, from the very popular Women at Warp Star Trek podcast. Aliza also created Star Trek The Improvised Generation, a comedy show where they improv an episode in the style of The Next Generation, complete with music cues and dramatic act-outs. I've seen it. It's great. It's very funny. Um, it's, she's also a TTRPG player slash GM, about to debut a new Star Trek Adventures campaign called Clear Skies Perseverance. And it's created an interactive story you can play through right now on Storyloom called Welcome to the Blood Bar. Aliza, welcome. Hello. Well, thank you so much for having me here. I'm like, hello, welcome back to you. <laughs> uh, we're on the Aliza show right now. And uh, <laughs> joining me is Aliza. I'm glad you could be here, Brian. Yeah. Thanks for coming on to my show. <laughs> You're probably uh, as big a Star Trek fan as I think I've I've ever encountered in IRL. So, <laughs> and uh, and and it's pretty impressive. I mean, have you been a Star Trek fan since basically childhood? I mean, I started watching when I was nine, but it sounds like almost earlier for you. No, yeah, probably about the same. Um, I know I watched it as a kid. I watched a lot of like the reruns, the TOS reruns that would play, and also TNG and Deep Space Nine and Voyager were on. But the thing is, as a kid, I don't remember episodes as clearly as other people did when they watch it as kids. I also didn't watch it every week. Like it wasn't always on in my house whenever it was like live on TV. So I don't feel like I had the experience of people who saw it first run. Mm. I think most of my love of Star Trek comes from a combination of like the memories of childhood watching it and seeing that world and be like, ah, oh, space is so cool. And then skipping ahead like almost 20 years later and rewatching it all as an adult and then really falling in love with it as an adult and being like, oh, my God, this is such great storytelling and such imaginative worlds they're creating. It really does capture your imagination when you're younger and you're open to it. And maybe if you are interested in looking up at the sky and wondering what's going on there, there's something about it. It's, it's fantastic. I think that's why I like so much of what Strange New Worlds is doing these days. Um, that's what we're talking about. If you are just letting your list play through autoplaying and you don't know what episode's coming up next, we're talking about an episode of Strange New Worlds. And, uh, you know, it's trying very much to capture the fun of uh, and the excitement of space. W one of the reasons I, why I wanted to have you on this week for this episode is um, I like to have people who sort of come close to or experienced been a part of the show in some way. And in this case, you've actually interviewed Melissa Navia, Lieutenant Ortegas. So that was a great interview. You should go listen to it on the women at warp feed, but also like, you know, strange new worlds being this new iteration. Like uh, how have you, how's it felt watching this, seeing a, a modern, very modern version of star Trek. I've been enjoying strange new worlds a lot. And when the season first came out, I was on board. I was very happy. They were doing this. I, you know, I have to sometimes separate my own view of Star Trek and my taste of Star Trek from the discourse. And I'm sure you know what I mean by that, because we are people on the Internet who like Star Trek. <laughs> and yeah. there's just a lot of conversations and opinions that fly around uh, and people co-opting those opinions and conversations with sometimes I think lacking some nuance uh, so I I try not to actually like tweet too much about my thoughts about Star Trek as much because it just gets so messy, I feel like. But with Strange New Worlds, I actually did tweet stuff about it and because uh, I was like excited about it. I wanted to share my thoughts on it. So overall, my view of this first season is that it's excellent. Um, it's I think they do a really great job of balancing honoring the the like core canon stuff and the retro feel of TOS but but bringing it into the present into 2022-23 and letting the actors be people and not have to play characters like as if they were repeating someone else's performance. I really feel like, especially Nurse Chapel, I think they've let that actress breathe a lot of life into that character and modernize her a lot. 
Um, but then that's balanced with Spock, who I think Ethan is incredibly good at being like dedicating his performance to Leonard Nimoy and and to just like letting that character live on through his performance and adding his own take, but really honoring the original performance. So I like that balance that they're striking. And it's I think it's very measured too. like they're doing it in very strategic ways, which I appreciate. So this week we're doing Spock Amok, which is episode five of uh, Strange New Worlds first season. I'm sure the rhyme is actually supposed to be Spock Amok, but I've never heard Amok pronounced that amok, way. But well, Amok, yeah, Amok. Amok, yeah. <laughs> but Spock Amok, maybe that's as Strange New Worlds. It debuted on Paramount Plus on June 2nd, 2022, written by Henry Alonzo Myers and Robin Wasserman, directed by Rachel Liederman. Quick synopsis, Enterprises on Shore Leave. Spock and T'Pring are going to prioritize their relationship, but oh no, some negotiations with the Rongovians take a turn for the worse, and it requires Spock spending some uh, breaking their date and causing a rift. And so Spock decides, what if we shared our souls? Maybe that can be like something we do that's fun. Instead, it backfires, and hijinks, much to their dismay, are forced to ensue as Spock and T'Pring have swapped bodies and now must pretend to be each other to fulfill their jobs. Meanwhile, uh, the other big storyline is number one discovers the crew uh, calls her where fun goes to die, which is not an efficient nickname, but it's a nickname. And uh, she also decides that she wants to see if she can disprove that by fulfilling a list of items called Enterprise Bingo, which the underclassmen or lower crew members uh, take on where they break the rules doing certain objectives and um and then it kind of also to give the rest of the cast something to do on the shore leave episode you've got nurse chapel you know wanting to go basically meet her hookup and uh the guy instead wants more of like a relationship and then um dr mabenga it's sort of implied that he's supposed to be meeting a woman there but that gets tossed out i think and it's just him enjoying the fly fishing at starbase one body swapping is what the episode's really about. And that's actually why I wanted you to be on this one, Aliza, because uh, one of your core strengths uh, is your comedy skills, your improv skills. And that, that to me seems like a very improv premise, body swapping. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, hijinks, as they say, Uh, (laughs) it's, it's shenanigans for sure. Yes. Now, I'm going to give the listeners what I said before the recording, and that was I unfairly kind of put on Elise. I was like, I might be too negative. Call me out on it, but I'm calling myself out on it. So just suffice it to say, I enjoyed this episode and tried to let go of the logical bumps that I had. But just it seems to me on a body swap episode, it works best. Not that it doesn't work in other situations, but it works best when you've got contrasting characters swapping bodies mm-hmm. so if you have two vulcans swapping off the top was like i don't know about this but uh i like the way that the show basically took that and tried to use that as its strength and then i the enterprise bingo was something that they brought in in episode two of the show i believe ortegas says that uh getting razzed or hazed by one of the senior officers is something that she uhura as a cadet could check off on their enterprise bingo box we don't see that come mm-hmm. back on the list In this case, the bingo is more of a list instead of an actual bingo board. And uh, and it's more like things you have to do instead of just things that happen while you're experiencing the Enterprise. But I like the Enterprise bingo idea a lot. I thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's this whole episode, I think, is there's lots of fun. Like every storyline has a really fun uh, angle to it. And I will say about, you know, the potential negativity that you're trying to navigate (laughs) <laughs> this so this is episode five of the first season right yeah and it's my favorite i think this is my favorite episode so far of this show the next episode is actually my least favorite so don't feel too bad <laughs> you know and i'm someone who actually really loves strange new worlds but i will say episode six made me very annoyed <laughs> and i tweeted about it so yeah you know like and <laughs> i still think it is an excellent, excellent Star Trek series. So I think both can exist. You can you can have criticisms I, I and also still be like, no, yeah, this is awesome. I love it. But I just have some issues with this one little thing, you know. I've said, um, yeah, I've said this before about trying to like let go of all the Star Trek I've watched to just take it for what it is. And, and right. I think sometimes mm-hmm. then what that leads me to do is still 
if this is like a football game, throw a flag on the play going like, well, this is this is going against your own logic that you just said. So I mm. kind of feel like at least in the case of Strange New Worlds, not just because it's a first season of a show trying to figure itself out, which I'm very sympathetic towards figuring out a show, no matter what it is, what if, if it's a spinoff or whatever it or, you know, a continuation, it's like you still have to form your own identity. But I still mm-hmm. think sometimes there's like logical bumps that are like, wait, you just said this. And now you're doing something else. And at least in here and what's an enjoyable episode, there are still those moments that make you go, why do they do that when that's a thing? But <laughs> we're here to talk about the positive. I agree with you. This is a whole lot of fun. And it's very much trying to go out of its way to say this is we can do the Star Trek format in so many different ways. And we really want to focus on our characters and have the drama and the energy come from their decisions and their choices. And I like that. I think that's a really great tweak on the format. And it really works here. I want to get your thoughts on Enterprise Bingo. Um, <laughs> I gave you the, I gave you the list. What What's the one that you would most want to try? Oh, I see. OK, I'm looking at the list right now. Um, <laughs> I didn't understand the phaser stun duel. I thought I thought that they were actually testing to see how soon like a force field would come up to stop the the track, the, the phaser fire or to, you know, lock things down. So I was very confused by that. But um, anyway. Let's see. Food replication. So the list is just real quick. Use the transporter to reflavor gum. Phaser stun duel. Turbolift two floor. Sh- uh, sorry. Turbolift two floor shout challenge. Set the universal translator to Andorian. Gravity boot change challenge. <laughs> medical tricorder challenge. Uh, and the challenge is Vulcan marsupial. And it's not clear what that means. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Food replicator challenge. A Duran fruit. That's the sneaky Sne- fruit. Okay. Sneak a triple into the transporter buffer, sit in the captain's oh, chair, God. and sign the scorch. And sign the scorch. We'll find out what that means at the end. But Yeah. Well, that's probably the one I would want to do the most because it, it's just so incredible Like to get to stand on the, the hull of the ship without a suit, which was funny to me because it's like, y'all can just put on suits and grab boots and go out and walk out there. But they, they did the, you know, the force field thing and it it was cool. I would want to do that. It's so awesome. And it's more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's top of my list of this. That's what I would want to do. What about you? Do you have one? <laughs> yeah, I think the Turbolift two floor shout challenge is the most obvious one that not that I would want to do the most, but it was like that is to me and all universes of Star Trek would have probably been the most fun to just do normally if you're just <laughs> walking around and someone else gets in the tr- turbo lift with you and you know, they're going somewhere else. Um, I don't know. I, I guess signing the scorch to me is probably also the, I mean, it's the most visually stunning one. It's the coolest one, but I mean, sit in the captain's chair that that's the one. If you're, if the premise is you're an, uh, an ensign or a crewman, uh, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're a chief or something. Um, you're a non-commissioned officer. I, I would think sitting in the captain's chair would be the one. That's the one it's yeah. probably the hardest to do. And and there's probably like a sub rule for it. You can't just do it for five seconds. That doesn't count. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm wondering, because it feels like anyone who works on the bridge obviously can sneak a moment of sitting in the captain's chair, you know, quickly and strategically. But yeah, for for someone who works on any other deck or departments like that's yeah, that's a hard one to pull off probably exciting if you get to do it the scorch is great though i like it It, the as an idea as a concept it's basically the last plate of the hull that hasn't been replaced through retrofits or repairs or all that stuff which uh you know so the scorch is in a in a way it's it's a time-based thing you have to kind of you know not every ship has a scorch enterprise isn't going to have a scorch forever that kind of thing and um yeah it seemed like the list they put a lot of thought into in this one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and in uh in all that the logic of of some of the things like you said the phaser the phaser duel would cer- certainly set off the uh security but also why do it in the corridor where someone could maybe get hurt by accident <laughs> why not in the cargo bay you know what i mean like i think uh, that's a feature not a bug <laughs> maybe that's true that's a great point that's a great point um and then enterprise bingo also just it made me go okay now it's what you said before. Everyone has their own take, their own thoughts on what Star Trek is. And I think that's me. This is the other concept in the episode. You've got body swap, hijinks, you've got enterprise bingo, and then radical empathy is sort of mm-hmm. the, 
the other thing. So me having radical empathy for the people making the show is mm. everyone has their own version of Star Trek and they are trying to make a new Star Trek show, which logically seems like it's more they're doing a reboot of Star Trek, which they even hinted at. And so in that sense, the idea that duty is just a job, which is how they kind of portray it in the body swap storyline. And that you can do these unsafe things in the ship. That's kind of just for fun um, to kind of shirk the rules. It's very sophomoric, but it's also supposed to just be like, let's not take this stuff too seriously because the bigger thing is our characters and our people and the emotional connections they're making and and understanding they're having that way. So it's a different type of Star Trek entirely. And um, Mm -hmm. so I'm practicing my radical empathy there. What did you think of the radical empathy part of the story with these Rongovians? Well, you know, what's awesome is like rewatching this episode today so that we could talk about it and it's fresh in my mind. I realized that, um, well, right now the prep that we're doing for my new Star Trek Adventures campaign like is me bringing, I brought some of the tools we did in the improvised generation to this TTRPG table because it's a performance, you know, it's a game, but it's also a performance and these are performers playing a game. So I taught them what we did with TIG, which was the A, B, and sometimes C story structure. And a lot of TV shows do this. It's not anything new. We just adapted it to an improv format. And rewatching this episode, I was like, oh my God, there's your A, B, and C right there. <laughs> and they all tie together at the end. They all have a theme that ties them all together, which I think the overlying theme for all of them is radical empathy. Yes, yes. And we don't realize, you know, they do say the Rongovians are very, they're known to be the most empathetic creatures, right? Not creatures, but like people, race. Sure, yes. And that's just like a blip in the beginning of the, the A storyline. And then... Pike brings it back in in the end and we realize, oh, that's the whole episode. Everyone's learning empathy. So obviously T'Pring and, and Spock are learning empathy and they, they go way past where they thought they were going. And that's that in itself is radical, right? Like mm-hmm. body swapping and learning empathy that way by physically being the other person. And then number one and uh, La'an becoming yeah just like learning oh we're known as where fun goes to die let's let's actually just step into the shoes of these other ensigns and crew members and see what it feels like to be them like let's not be that let's try to push against our own rules and that is also empathy them trying to empathize with these crew members who gave them that nickname so i love that about the episode i thought it was really nicely done um and but yeah, speaking specifically about the Rongovian storyline, it's funny because like when I, I remember when I first watched it and even on this rewatch, I was like, oh, is this going to be like, you know, like Darmok and uh, and Jalad at Tanagra? Like mm. they, you have to like bow a certain way and speak a certain way for them to really get you or you'll offend them. But it wasn't even quite that. It was both more complex and simpler than I thought it would be. The thing, the 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 cultural touch point of the Rongovians that would get to them. I yeah, I thought it was like very cool how that played out and how Pike is like just gonna be radically empathetic. I'm gonna say, nope, you shouldn't. If I were you, I wouldn't, because this and this and this, I get your perspective. Um yeah, I thought it was cool. I don't know. <laughs> I no, I thought it was I thought it was cool too. At first, like you said, I kind of thought I didn't think of Darmok. I actually thought of like one of the next generation episodes I kind of refused to ever watch again because it was so boring and annoying was Liaisons from season 7 episode 2 where like the crew gets kind of Picard crashes with a mysterious woman and like Worf has to basically handhold some other alien that they're negotiating with. And they're all like kind of mirroring certain emotions oh. and it's, and it was a really a bad episode <laughs> of the next generation. Mm. So I was a little like in a way that that kind of comes back here, but the way that they do it in this one right away, I love that they start with the Tellarites as like showing with the Rongovians. This is how it went when the, when they talked to the Tellarites it's the shop and it's the shouting and the clues, like you said, are layered in right away. We're told who the Rongovians are kind of like a little bit. We get an example of it. And then they do sort of mirror about it, uh, mirror the other characters as they're talking. For me, the only part of that storyline that was like 
how do you push it to be 10% better or even 2% better? Where's the, the specifics? What were the specifics of the Federation? You know, it's like if it's a real negotiation and not just like, again, sophomore college people talking in generalities and and concepts like what what would they the, the the federation is offering an alliance where you still get to manage your own territory right like what are the specifics mm-hmm. the klingons would take it over and they would they would do the hands-on management like what is all this stuff and also it seemed a little muddy were they offering to join the federation or simply work out a trade agreement because then logically the idea that they wouldn't want to be with the federation because it dilutes their own sovereignty or identity would be less, you know what I mean? Be, it should be less of a concern, right? There's like, well, you're not joining the Federation. Mm-hmm. You're just negotiating. You're allying with us. Oh, so no. That was, it was to, I, to me, it was pretty clear. Like they were, it was Federation joining, not just a trade deal. I see. Like I see. Joining the, yeah. I see. So they're basically, the, and if you didn't watch the episode, they're basically, they control the Strait of Magellan or the Panama Canal. Is sort of between right. Klingon and yeah. Romulan between space. Klingon. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So they're important, yeah, to Federation political interests and to Klingon and Romulan political interests. That's right. That's a good point what you said about like the specifics of Klingons, the way that like Federation is like you get your own autonomy, but also will help you knowing that our presence and you allying with us does kind of put a target on your back. So we will have your back. But we never see the Klingon or Romulan talks that they maybe have. And if you're a new viewer, if you're new to Trek, you might not be able to fill in the blanks. But those of us who have watched stupid amounts of Star Trek (laughs) know, like, we know how it goes when Klingons take over. It's not a discussion. They colonize. They come in and they, like you said, they become the administrative heads of these areas. We saw it in TOS, multiple episodes where we Mm -hmm. actually see them on these colony worlds, Klingon colony worlds that did not choose for them to be there. Right, <laughs> so, that's right. Yeah, I'm glad like in in a <laughs> coming from my Starfleet leaning viewpoints, I am glad that the Rongovians joined the Federation and I'm excited. It's always fun to see a new species pop up in Star Trek and I'm excited to see like will we get to see more Rongovians and what is it going to be like, you know? That's a great point. Uh, what's it going to be like to have Rangonian, yep. Rangonian Starfleet members, you know? Yeah. Um, and then before we get to the grades, just kind of one other thing, just to circle back to the body swap. Uh, I'm a big fan. I'm tipping one of the grades in terms of like body swap, what's going to be in best Trek tropes. But I like it. I think it's a great idea. And this gets back to kind of one of my core questions about Strange New Worlds as a concept that I, it's just like a fun thing I think they missed. So they did that short treks Q and a where we meet Spock on his first day on the enterprise and he and Una get trapped in the turbo lift. And, and Mm -hmm. she's basically saying like, why are you a weirdo? That's like, that's the (laughs) entire thing. It's all to explain why in Mm -hmm. the pile, in the cage, Leonard Nimoy is acting more human or emotional than, than, uh, than he Mm -hmm. is later in the series, which is like a completely kind of silly thing to focus on because it's, clear there's like technical reasons why that happened no one had worked out the character you know Nimoy doesn't know how to play the guy whatever Mm -hmm. but it also seems to me if you're going to use all the parts of the buffalo that the idea to me especially that the the emotional um conflict at the core of this episode is kind of a profoundly amazing idea that I really wish they had done that it keeps going for one thing but also that it just it would have been better if it was surfaced instead of pushed to the end and that is spock has anxiety about his two halves in the original Mm -hmm. series and all the other stuff we know it's there but the fact that it's more on his sleeve uh, is the part that really struck me as like that would explain why the soul swapping goes haywire and then they don't do mention that Mm -hmm. as a reason until the end but the other part of it is, Actually, yeah, yeah, they do at the end. Yeah. At the very end, it's just like at the very end, but mm-hmm. it's like if Spock had been more emotional. So when we meet him in discovery, maybe not then, cause they haven't figured it out, but like in strange new worlds, he is more human. And so then you could mm-hmm. argue like at some point during the run of strange new worlds, he makes the turn, not like Colinar, not like trying to purge emotions, but like he's much more human and, and and less Vulcan when we first meet him would make a lot more sense for his anxiety. It would, it would have, it would have helped them do a lot of other things they've been doing with the character through these first five or six episodes. 
And, uh, and so it just feels like a missed opportunity on, but within a really cool idea. So I just want to put that out. I think I've mm-hmm. said this before. I'm like a more emotional Spock probably would have made a lot of what they're trying to do make a lot more sense. I think with Spock, him, you know, we, you know, this is just the first, what, 10 episodes we've seen of this series. So uh, yeah, we don't know where they're going to go with Spock and if we're going to see him go through these phases where he's more or less emotional. I do think this episode in particular, the Nurse Chapel stuff, is obviously very heavily hinting to their future relationship and and their closeness already. They're pretty close as as fellow crew members and friends. And I think that is kind of tipping, not tipping the hat, but kind of foreshadowing that we are going to see a more human-facing Spock in this series. I think that is probably their intention based on just some conversations we've seen already. Um, and that's I think you're it. right. I think you're right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, I think it's coming. I think we just haven't seen it yet. And, you know, I think it does make sense that they started with the more Vulcan facing Spock now, especially because, again, we're getting to see to Pring and his relationship in TOS. We we just saw them break up, <laughs> you know, like we didn't get to actually see all this juicy stuff. So I think they're trying to milk that and and really show us. The, the part of t- the, of Spock that's trying so hard still to maintain his Vulcanness surrounded by mostly human-centric Federation culture. Um, and and I, I'm excited to see how they navigate this. And as someone who comes from multiple cultures myself and as a Black American specifically, like the idea of code switching and like how different parts of your cultural um, expression changes depending on who you're with, I'm excited to see if they explore that stuff with Spock later on into this series. And also like giving him some, now here's my rattle empathy, empathy for Spock as a like mixed cultural person. Um, sometimes you, you go through periods of your life that you are more like into the Vulcan side or more into the human side and you express it more readily or, or more openly or people see it more. So maybe we haven't seen the thing that makes Spock go to the more human side yet. I think we haven't seen that yet. Maybe it's he and T'Pring have an earlier breakup and we're going to see that. Or maybe uh, he and Nurse Chapel just get it on. He's like, oh, I like this. Whoops. Uh, <laughs> I'm human. Yes, I am. Thank you. <laughs> like, I don't know. But uh, I'm excited to see where they go with all that. Oh, I am too. I think, and I agree with you that we'll see a turn. I think there's just a part of me that's like, it It would have been more fun to hit the ground running with that instead of, because it, it's where they get tied up in like, are we doing an homage? Are we doing a, an actual direct prequel? Are we doing just a straight, you know, a reboot? And it, it seems like it got tied up in that because the code switching and everything you mentioned, that is incredibly interesting. It's just, there's not a lot of, you know what I mean? Like there's not a lot of moments that I can think of through these five episodes where we see him being human and then re- then switching back to Vulcan. Do, do you see what I mean? It's like, it's all being said, but it's not being shown. And, and, and so it's hard to like they, feel that. Yeah. I agree with you though. The only time they really going. show it, the only time they really show it in this episode is when he punches Barjan, like very oh. human thing to do. We ought to get into the grades, but let's talk about that for a minute because so that's so first of all, it's a little it's a little weird that Tapring's like, I came to see you and I put my work aside, but she didn't. She brought her coworker and with then her. She, oh yeah, totally. Oh uh, oh I totally was like Tapring, girl, come yeah, on. You know but, this is a work trip for you too. Like why are yes. you why are you shaming him for this? But then the idea that there's criminal Vulcans, which uh, I've great idea and i think it's come up in like can like novels and stuff great idea but the idea that it's all very cordial like the prisoner exchange or him negotiating <laughs> to go back into rehab to get his vulcan his logic back great as well what was missing i thought because it does end with spock into pring's body punching this guy out is the idea mm-hmm. that no one calls attention to wait this guy's a criminal and why don't you just go and arrest him and like that's not how we do things like the, what's missing was that beat because then what happens is after he punches the guy and knocks him out, then it's just they can take him into custody. Right. Like the, before they were kind yeah. of giving him a well, choice. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you you just answered it. I was just going to say, yeah, I think they were. She, she's all about reform. Right. Like she's yes. she's not she, her whole purpose is to help reform people rather than throwing them in jail. 
and even now probably taking him into custody, it's not going to look like our criminal justice system, obviously, because they are more about reform and giving people a chance to <laughs> reform their lives. But yeah, I think it was just like coming. It was it was a negotiation. And then it turned into he's not listening. He's not even like respecting. And that was actually like that was really interesting. I want to get into that for a second, because. Tapring brings, as far as Barjan knows, Tapring brings a human colleague and the stated reason is, oh, since you are not like into our whole Vulcan logic thing, I thought having someone who was also not into our logic here would put you at ease. And this guy totally rejects it and 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 starts insulting her. And it's just like, I was a little confused by that interchange. And it felt like, it felt misogynistic because it's like, why is this guy just choosing to hate on to Pring for trying to reach out to him? Like he, she was trying to do you a solid and put you at ease and you have the nerve to just start insulting her for it and being like, no, I don't want to negotiate because you like humans. It gross. Like what the hell dude? So I, I was like, yeah, just, he doesn't need more conversation. Just. <laughs> oh, so then that made me go. So this is, they missed a very Star trek moment here. That should have just been a longer fight. Instead of one. Why? Punch. Wait, why do you think that? <laughs> because that's a Star Trek thing that it ends in a fist fight at the end. And it would have been fun if it would have Spock into Pring's body fighting this guy. And just that it, was, it, went, it went on a little bit longer. That's a Star Trek thing where it somehow still ends in a fight. Um, but it was a little weird. Like Spock was only really getting upset because he was insulting Christine. It's like, you don't talk about my girl. Yeah, like that. exactly. It was sort of oh, driving yeah, it as totally. well. Um, totally. was and also too. Spock as a half human I think that was him being like whoa, whoa you're talking shit about half of my heritage like you need to calm down I think yeah I think all of that was present too for sure which it is just got flattened down into sort of yeah it made it kind of interesting but you know what I mean like it got so condensed into just kind of what like the most interesting parts of it almost were kind of blown by to get to the punch in, in a way the insults and the punch were sort of more the point of the scene than everything feeding into that, I thought. Yeah, there was a lot there. It was I, I thought that was a really juicy moment. And um, yeah, I think they could have maybe revisit, she, you know, uh, when they're like at the end in the little epilogue uh, montage type of stuff at the end, Spock is like, oh, by the way, I should tell you I punched Barjan. And, and they don't like, discuss you it, it. Yeah, you know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's like, yeah, that tracks. That tracks. Yeah, it's cool. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Which was fun. It was a fun moment. But that, you know, they could have talked more about like that. But no. But but you know what? I understand why they didn't because I think you know, like we both have said, um, the the Christine stuff is lurking, and I think Spock definitely has feelings for her already, and she obviously has feelings for him. And so if he tells her, if he tells to bring too much about why he punched. Barjan, then that might reveal his feelings for Nurse Chapel. That too. Also, they just did a body swap where theoretically she kind of sees things more from his perspective and she can understand like he's mm -hmm. half human, this or that. Maybe he just thought this was the easiest way to deal with it. We we yeah. got the guy yeah. in our custody in any case who, can, you know, it, I understand that could have been. Yeah. All right. Let's do the grades because I'm sure some of this stuff will come back up in the grades. Um, I love okay. that us as Star Trek nerds are finding all the side stuff to talk about whereas like people who love the show are just like that was great <laughs> we're like all the stuff they use to get to the great stuff is just as interesting um i it's i think that's oh, why yeah. i like the show so much is that they're mixing in all these other things um that is just as oh, interesting yeah. there's layers yes layers that's what i was looking for great scenes so i'll go back to the end of the episode signing the scorch i thought that was a beautiful scene just visually awesome and we see you know character wise una and laan be like oh wait this is fun it's fun to break the rules and you get to have these special moments and seeing that gorgeous sort oh god i love solar sail ships so much they're so beautiful and i love just i mean this is i can probably say this about all of star trek but I, what i love about solar sail ships in star trek is that like we have solar sails right now in our technology. We have like, we have them, they exist. And they are, I imagine that that's what, you know, those other species like Bajorans and now the Rongovians who use the solar sail technology, they, they probably started like we did, you know, with our little satellites that have a solar, like one little panel of solar that's sail right. on it. <laughs> and then, you know, it's just like very, uh, I love that about, about that. That's so fantastic. that was one of my favorite scenes. Yeah. 
I thought the Enterprise bingo sequence after Una and Laon mm-hmm. decide to try to knock some of these off the list, the it's like a sequence. It's kind of edited in fast paced, the mm-hmm. music, the score change. I thought it was great. And I did, you know, I kind of like the deadpanning of Laon saying like one of the games, one of the things is you chew bubblegum till the flavor is gone, then you use the transporter <laughs> to bring the flavor back. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah experiment again. Hey, it worked. And um, uh, yeah, wow. I, I thought the sequence was great. <laughs> well directed. It was a nice sequence. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I already mentioned all my issues really with some of the energy. parts of the game, but it was a lot. Yes. The energy mm-hmm. for it was fantastic. I don't, I don't know how I feel about two parts of that. Them using the medical transporter where a dying little girl is stored <laughs> for a fun and games bit. Oh God. Dr. Oh, Mabang. And, and uh, number one is the only one who knows that. So she's like will willingly using the medical transporter for a game is a little weird. And then when they when they check something off the list, it it goes do 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 do. And I was like, okay, how much fourth wall breaking does this show need to do? And apparently, it's as much as possible. Um, but it was still a bump. Um, and I again, I love the I love the turbo lift twist where you twist the handle and you say your destination, and then whoever you know, the winner is, whatever the computer heard first. Uh, Fantastic. That was cute. I yeah. I think in real life, in real Star Trek life, the computer would probably hear both and just list them, you know, say like enterprise, uh, uh, sorry, engineering and then the bridge or something like that. Well, that's, that's true. How I think but it would actually go. That's true. So then would it would it go just based on who it heard first and then order it or would it go by destination this is closer so it would go first well yeah that's another thing that's it yeah. yeah like i don't know but there's if we unpack this too much then we're gonna get really annoying <laughs> that's true too um oh and then one last thing is i think this concept enterprise bingo is so fun i wonder if you can do it on the star trek original series set tour in ticonderoga you know james collie who did star trek continues yeah. and all that stuff they they've opened like an actual set tour with recreations of the bridge and other areas of the ship and i think that would be i mean star trek in las the experience in las vegas doesn't exist anymore but like you, you know any of these kind of like in real life things might be fun to do some version of can you do oh, it on star cool. trek online i don't know if you can that would be fun too oh my goodness um, that sounds very fun <laughs> someone get in that um i like anson mount's reaction to hearing that spock and Dupring have swap bodies his face mm-hmm. and just kind of like get out of town. Um, I thought that You're was You're not great. in a town. Great scene. Yes, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right, best Trek tropes. Captain Pike swooping in at the end with the like, oh, I got this. This is their thing. Radical empathy and then it working. It's definitely a big trope to have the captain just save the day with a very uh, unexpected uh, strategy. It felt yes. almost like the best of Kirk and Picard mixed into one moment there, like the diplomacy of Picard, but the like out of the box kind of like wild thinking of Kirk. Uh, so that was pretty tropey, tricky tropey for me. Agreed. Was, that's a great analysis. It was a synthesis of those two. I, I do think the show does struggle sometimes with being like, man, Picard is such a heavy influence that sometimes Picard Pike sounds just like Picard. And that time he definitely gave it, Anson Mount gave it a very Kirk uh, delivery on on a Picard mm-hmm. thought. Um, mind melts. Right. I mean, yeah. always a Trek trope for me. And this, they can mm-hmm. call it the soul swap or whatever the hell they want. It was a mind meld. And the fact that they mm-hmm. didn't just call it a mind meld was really annoying because they they couldn't they say like different. They didn't do the hand thing. I'm just saying that because it was a different ceremony. Yeah, it was a different ceremony entirely because they had to say, well, a mind meld can't go this wacky wrong. But I thought, but it's like that to me had to be the reasoning, right? That you come up with an entirely new ceremony to explain how they could have a body swap. And it's like, well, it felt to me like this is a thing that Vulcans do together, whereas the mind meld is more agnostic of the recipient so like a vulcan can tap into someone else's mind and maybe a bit of their katra too using this that that like three finger prong face facial plug thing um whereas this this ceremony is like it feels yeah it feels like yeah no i think you're right like in terms of just like 
working it out for this episode, they probably were like, let's do something deeper than a mind meld so that it ha- it can go haywire and people won't be like, but that's not how mind melds work. But for but me, it, like interpreting it in world, it, yeah. I'm like, no, yeah, it makes sense. This is the thing that is deeper and more spiritual than just a mind meld. I just thought that they had such a perfect emotional reason for it to go haywire, Spock's anxiety, right. that it could have just been a mind yeah. meld. And we would have, it would, it would have forced them to explain why a mind meld went wacky much sooner. And then they could have gotten into, well, why is Spock so anxious that she's going to leave him over as humanity? I don't know. I just mm-hmm. it thought, I just thought like the most interesting part of this, why the body, because that is why the body swap happens is his anxiety. They just don't label mm-hmm. it. Um, it right. just was really so it bumped me, but still, it's a mind meld. Let's just call it what it is. So Vulcan mysticism. <laughs> if if you want to be pedantic, I guess it's Vulcan mysticism. Great trick joke. Um, I did like Pike mm-hmm. in Kirk's green wraparound tunic. They changed his uniform because I guess it was he was in the oh, green. Yeah. I guess it's kind of mm-hmm. like you know comfortable, casual. I mean, in the series, in the original series, it's because William Shatner was wearing a girdle, they needed to change the look to not draw attention to his weight gain, but. <laughs> it is uh, oh, I didn't th- know that. them repurposing it for basically when the ship's on shore leave or, you know, off duty, this, the captain can wear this mm-hmm. is an interesting idea. It doesn't look quite that comfortable that yeah. it's in leather, but I like it anyway. <laughs> yeah. It looked more sculpted than, than, uh, than Kirk's Kirk's yeah. looks like a little bit more like a sash, like a comfy wraparound sash. Perf- this yes. looks more like, yeah, form fitting, a little stiff, but it was cute. He looked cute in it. Yeah, he looked good. Um, argumentative Tellarites. Mm-hmm. We got to Very see them true. when the Rongovians are mm-hmm. shouting at them in the style of. I like that. And then this is mm-hmm. a Strange New World specific trope: the height of Pike's hair. It's grown in every episode. Oh, it's gotten yeah. taller. Oh yeah. And I applaud it. <laughs> I I think it's a great Trek trope. It's fantastic. Oh, it's so fun. The memes. I'm just thinking about the memes. <laughs> uh, the solar sail is maybe not a Trek trope, but it, to your point about like, it's just, there's kind of an awe-inspiring part of it. And sometimes the fun, it is a carryover. We've seen it in other, you know, in Deep Space Nine, like you said, the Bajorans. So I kind of like that as a callback for for it. It's mm-hmm. not a technology we see very often in science fiction, period. And so um, see yeah. it visualized, I-, I should say. I didn't think of this till just now, but they also did, uh, at least in the color, the coloring of the solar sail ship, they chose to keep it as gold and it looks fairly similar to the Bajoran ones we've seen. So that that's, yeah, I never thought about it till just now, but it is like, that's very much direct callback, not just the concept of a solar sail, but also the visuals of this solar sail looks like the previous ones we've seen. And I like the the basic Trek trope of negotiating with an alien race. I mean, that's Next Generation had <laughs> had a lot of those. Uh, all right, worst Trek tropes. Well, again, we love Star Trek, so even if there are worst Trek tropes, it's just like they're doing this again. Um, I think the techno babble to explain how they're reversing the body swap is kind of you know, uh... bad Star Trek techno babble. They're grounding up some sea urchins and using that paste. <laughs> Yeah. to activate the neurons and then they'll use some electric shock to expel the the invading neurons i guess to reset the brains but that kind of doesn't really track with what they're doing they're not touching each other which they were touching each other before seemed like a you know what i mean yeah. like it's just the techno babble to explain how they reverse the bodies also seems like it's a cheat on the emotion because it seems like once spock's anxieties and her anxieties have been calmed in some way that then it would open up a pathway for them to touch again, do the ceremony again, and it works this time. Like that seems like mm-hmm. the metaphor they could have finished it. Anyway, most of its time quality. The blue Eddie Bauer jacket Pike's wearing in the scene where Admiral April comes to tell him that the negotiations with the Rongovians have taken a turn. Kind of basically whatever the crew's mm-hmm. wearing in their casual fits or like stuff you can go buy at mm-hmm. REI or something. Um <laughs> I have mm-hmm. sort of the postmodernism of it all, like strange new worlds is is trying to do its own thing with star trek but in a lot of ways is in conversation with the original series or the concepts of star trek so like kind of the deconstruction the rongovians issues of the federation that it it homogenizes everyone and it makes cultures you know Mm. lose you know sacrifice some part of themselves to be part of this collective their voices get silenced i think just that idea 
and and it doesn't get any pushback. That was the part that kind of annoys me about their constant deconstructions is like they'll say the Federation is this and then the characters just kind of go, yeah, you got me dead to rights there. And then there's no pushback. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what are you swearing to serve? Um, You know what I mean? What ideals are you actually Mm -hmm. upholding if every time it's challenged, you agree? Breaking the fourth wall to say to say good cop, bad cop when La'an and and, uh, Mm -hmm. number one catch the uh, ensigns, just calling attention, labeling it good cop, bad cop, I thought was of its time. Uh, For me, it's uh, just Nurse Chapel's relationship stuff or or not relationship stuff, I guess we should say. Um, I don't think we would have ever seen, even in 90s Trek, such a, a positive slash even just neutral presentation of a female character in in a TV show, a Star Trek show in different eras, just presented as, yeah, this is what she wants in, in her interactions with people, her intimate relationships, and she's dealing with it. And we're not saying it's bad or good that she's this way. It's just where she is in her life right now. And she's she's dealing with it. So I think that was very of of its time. I agree. And the and the dude that was catching feelings, essentially, yeah, she could definitely do better. He looked like a doofus. So <laughs> Good, good for her. He looks there. a little boring. As she said, yeah. he was boring, you know. Or he's very sweet, but not for her. <laughs> the line must be drawn here. Great lines. <laughs> what do you do you have any? So to pring as Spock, when Spock as to pring suggests that she pretend to be him while in his body. And then to pring as Spock says, Spock, I do not like hijinks. Um, I thought that was great. <laughs> And then you already said it before yeah. when when Pike hears that they've swapped bodies, he goes, get out of town. And to bring his box says, we are not in a town. Uh, I thought those were <laughs> two great lines. Yeah. Ugh, I love Vulcans. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Anton Caridian Award for best performance. So who do you think gave the best <laughs> performance in this one? It's to bring for me. Okay. I really all right. like to pring a lot. I love how the actress is just all in. She's a hundred percent Vulcan and she's uh what you said before about them choosing to do a body swap between two Vulcans. I actually uh slightly disagree with your take on that because yes, it is a subtle difference in their speech pattern, but their point of view is so different. To pring and Spock are very different types of Vulcans. And I think and I could see the difference when they switched like i i I don't know it just made sense and i looked at them i was like yeah this is this is her as spock and this is him as to bring so i think that's uh ethan peck too he did a great job but for me i think uh i don't i don't know this actress's name sadly sorry sorry to her uh (laughs) but i thought she did we'll be seeing more of her job in this (laughs) yeah yeah i'm sure we will i want to give an honorary mention to captain vasso the rongovian guy only because he had to do somewhat mm. similar things of changing his attitudes. Yeah. You know, trying to convey what Rongovians are about. Like it was memorable enough. It helped make that character, that storyline more memorable was that he wasn't just, you know, a pretty boring uh, alien with just like a weird prosthetic mm-hmm. on his face. So um, also did anyone else think that he, I thought the actor was Armin Shimmerman at first when I first saw this episode. Cause he just like looked like him. There was something familiar. Yes. It, that definitely came through something familiar for sure. I had to like, as I was watching the episode when it first came out, I had to immediately Google and be like, is this Armin? Like, is he, is he <laughs> guessing on Star Trek on strange new worlds? And I was like, Oh no, it's not, but it look, I don't know. Yeah. It looked like him, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, he was excellent. And I hope he comes back. I think, uh, I think he did pop enough that he should come back. And his first officer, whoever that was, assistant or whoever that was i like them both too because they and they were different from each other so they're uh, yeah, yeah, definitely we that, need to move yes. on go ahead no it's no problem no it's totally it's totally valid the the shatner the, so oh, this yes, isn't like shatner. bad this isn't necessarily bad acting it can be but it's really more like actors who you just you know they've got a little bit to do maybe they only had a couple of takes or one take to do it so they just went for it but you know who who do you want to is there anyone you want to call attention to i definitely have two yeah <laughs> I have two. One that is a little bit hammy, but but for good effect. And you've already brought this up, which is the good cop, bad cop stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought Laon's was like a lot. She was doing a lot, but it was very funny and it had a good effect. 
Mm -hmm. um, being the bad cop. And then the other one is, and I genuinely think it was just a really beautiful emotional moment, which was Nurse Chapel talking to Lieutenant Ortegas at the end of her her like story arc for the episode. And you see the camera just holds on her at the end of that conversation. And she, you know, I think we know what she wants to say, which is like, yo, I kind of have feelings for Spock, but she doesn't say it. And she's like, never mind. But you see it on her face and it's so juicy and it's just great. Really great emotional moment. Oh, that's fantastic. That's like a really positive one. That's like almost belongs yeah, up yeah. above. But no, it's, <laughs> that's really good because they really have to say it without saying it. And they and so yeah. they're, yeah, for sure. I picked both the ensigns because when they were like fake oh. sobbing, when they were fake sobbing, well, yes. they seem so childish, which I think is the point. But it was yeah. just like they really it had to go very for it. Young. Yes. Yeah. Holy, holy. I thought they were darling. I love them. <laughs> They're so cute. <laughs> it was it was kind of the thing that made me go, okay, I have to kind of reevaluate what I think about this show because they're clearly trying to say like Starfleet is just a job that you go to and you come back from and it's not that serious of a job. We're all having fun here. You know, like it's more like we're in college or high school. Uh, there, he's like Henry Alonzo yeah. Myers importing that magician's vibe where it's like we're kind of serious, but not really because mm. we're having fun. Yeah, it's like you can't be serious 100 percent of the time. Right. Because it, it is still a serious job and a serious thing to be a Starfleet officer. But just like, you know, with our, you, you know, for us, like modern human times, the, the correlation seems to be like military being in the military. It's a very serious job and it's, it doesn't stop being serious just because you joke around with your fellow soldiers. It's just that th these are the ways that we as humans cope and deal with our, what we're doing in our lives and what we're going through. And this, it's how we relate to each other. So, um, yeah. so yeah, I, I think it's the difference too of Lower Decks versus Star Strange New Worlds and this episode of Strange New Worlds where we see these these little adorable ensigns going through, uh, like we, we see the fun, but then also them being grilled by their superiors. And it's very funny, but it's not lower decks funny, right? It's, it's just showing us a different angle, a different like flavor of what enterprise life is at this moment. Yep. Sorry. I just went in you very went... analytically. <laughs> Didn't mean to go that hard. <laughs> that's why we're aboard her. That's why this show exists. No, that's great. That's no, it's fantastic. Uh, which part of this are they teaching at Starfleet Academy? <laughs> oh, goodness. This is a fun question. So the Rongovians, I think um, mm -hmm. Pike is definitely going to be in history books for that, <laughs> for unlocking you know, that empathy thing. Uh, and now whenever people deal with Rongovians, they will have some st some Starfleet database. There'll be an entry on Rongovian culture and uh, behaviors and cultural things so that's definitely going to get taught um do you think that, enterprise bingo i think they won't talk about enterprise bingo yeah, i don't think that's being taught at the i mean maybe it's like unofficially taught by the by the cadets they're they're talking to each other um i mean because obviously mm -hmm. ohura has some ohura is bringing that back when she goes back to finish mm -hmm. out her term or whatever that's for sure i had the rongovians as well but i want to point this out so Pike unlocks, like you said, unlocks. And it did make me think the show is kind of using it like an achievement being unlocked. He's like, I now mm -hmm. have a new tool in the winner's toolbox of if you just do this, you'll get what you want, which isn't actually the point of radical mm -hmm. empathy, but it is kind right, of at the right. same time, it has the effect. It's the it's the trickiness of, of storytelling versus reality, right? Like uh, right. in Memento Mori, we have Spock and Laon doing a mind meld. And Spock warns Laon, like, a mind meld is not going to help you with your uh, emotional, you know, your mental health crisis or your your trauma and, and dealing with that. It's not going to fix it. But it does help, right? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it does actually kind of help her. Um, so it's just tricky because you're like, well, was Pike doing that completely because he understood the concept or because it was a gambit in the Kirk style? of Like, I think this will actually lead us to what we want, which is a negotiation. Um, it's kind of irrelevant mm. as a teaching tool, but it was interesting dramatically watching it, um, you know, because April's just oh, more God. surprised. And he couldn't, he could have just said, you know, I thought our whole point, you know what I mean? It could have been, a, he could have tagged on to that moment of like, well, the purpose is to, is to establish relations with these people. And they seem very much more committed to, I wanted it to be clear that we want to have a relationship with them, not just that we want to use their territory. 
something like that. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, anyway, but. But no, I, I'm so glad you pointed that out because, yeah, it's it's not cool to stage or perform empathy for the purpose. Of, that's manipulative. You know, that mm-hmm. would be manipulative if you're just doing the empathy to get someone on your side or something like that. So, um, yeah, that's a really, really great point. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> and then Mabenga's prediction did not come true. They are not teaching the Navalian sea urchin paste as part of a Kotrick transfer in Starfleet oh, Medical Textbooks. How do you know, though? How doesn't do come back. Know? Doesn't come back up. I mean, maybe this since this is a rebooted. I don't think this is a reboot, though. Like I, I, I think it would reboot. So I go from this in when they were doing the press to the debut of the series, Henry Alonzo Myers was interviewed and he says, if you look at the cage as the original pilot, this is a continuation of the cage, not of the mm-hmm. original series. So it's like a pickup of the cage, which to me creates the possibility that this is like, we're trying to make an alternate reality happen here on earth in the 21st century. Mm, but I, that's but all to I'm me, saying. That is, that's the whole like, the reason we have so many different shows is because we have different creators who pick a point in time of Star Trek and then start telling their stories from there. And they decide what is going to be like canon canon for their show and what is just going to fit kind of nicely into it without being like pushed, you know, uh, crammed in. And I think I think that's no different with Strange, Strange New Worlds than it is for any other Star Trek series. It's a little trickier with like Next Gen and maybe even Deep Space Nine and Voyager because, you know, Roddenberry is the one overseeing kicking off that kind of strain of Star Trek that the that Berman really wanted to stay faithful to in some way. They were trying their intention was we're going to keep stretching the Roddenberry idea of Star Trek out. And I think all these new shows is exactly also what you're saying. Like now they're saying this is what Star Trek is to us and we're going to stretch from there. And is there overlap? Because yeah, what I think else so. can they do? Yeah, it's like you know Roddenberry's gone we have like the template of what he did but even yeah like you said during his lifetime there were already start there was starting to be divergences from his uh what he had laid down it's incredibly difficult like I'm sitting here talking about logic bumps or whatever but look look I could not come up with 90% of these ideas because so much of Star Trek has already been done like they've done so much in, uh, mm-hmm. in so much of it, it's the, the, the idea of just sitting down and coming yeah. up with a new idea of Star Trek is daunting. It seems impossible. So for me, it, it would be easier, but they can't for marketing purposes, just call it what it is. I think everyone would just breathe a sigh of relief. Be like, oh, good. They rebooted Star I don't, Trek. There I, it is. I, I don't feel that way. I don't I don't think a rebooted Star Trek would make me feel better because I, what I like about it is the the intensely different interpretations that we're getting from all these different series it's like for me it's like a prism it's like we're looking at like the star trek is the prism and then all of us depending on how the light hits it and which you know which series we're watching which writers are working on it which actors are in it we're going to see a different array of colors and expression of that star trek prism and that to me again it's a feature not a bug i don't i don't think it's like um people wanting to reboot it it's literally just like there's so much out there that we have to just like plant our flag this is our timeline this is what is true for our show we're going to honor as much as we can but at some point we have to just focus on our plate what's on our plate because it's too much and this is you know this is coming from someone i have not professionally worked on star trek stories but the the gaming i have done is very like in in some ways it's similar maybe to the process that the creators of star trek shows go through where it's like what what timeline are we in? What has happened in this world? Uh, are we honoring that as canon? Are we in our own little bubble? Are we going to just kind of pretend that didn't happen? It's very similar. And if you don't do that, if you don't make those boundaries for your show in a, in a huge world like Star Trek with all this lore, you're just you're not going to please anyone. And you're it's just not going to be fun for you to create it either because you're totally agree. trying to find what's wrong with everything it's a perfect segue to our our second to last question how would the predecessor show or captain resolve the conflict so the predecessor here is star trek discovery which is Mm -hmm. not cheating but spock was in star trek discovery so we could say you know what would you have any thought of how discovery might handle this any of the storylines but mainly the body swapping one let's be honest (laughs) would they handle it any differently (laughs) Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of Captain Burnham with the Rongovians. Um, yeah, you know, I think funny enough, I think 
Captain Burnham would probably have come to the same conclusion as Pike. And and maybe in a similar way too. Uh, even though they're two different styles of captaining, I do feel like Burnham and Pike have a lot in common with their diplomacy and their, if we're talking about a mix of, of Kirk and Picard, they both have that mix. Like I've always thought of Burnham as one part Picard, two parts Kirk because she's so impulsive and she goes with her gut and her instinct overall above all. But she also is very diplomatic. She's very good at diplomacy and very good at relating to people and being empathetic. So and she has the Vulcan so yeah, I think, logic. Yeah. And she has the, exactly. Yeah. So I think she would have probably dealt with it similarly to Pike in this sense and come to that radical empathy conclusion. Burnham probably wouldn't have allowed the Ronguvians to say, we don't want to talk to you anymore. We want to talk to Spock. Like that speech <laughs> that Pike gives to Spock in this episode to interrupt. Yeah. Like, it seems like Burnham would just interrupt and say, I understand what w- your objections, however, and yes, then just kind of win them over. Like, yeah. Talk yeah, to them. Yeah. I totally agree. She would, she's more direct. Like, yes. Uh, yeah. She totally would have. Uh, and then what the body swapping. Um, I just, oh my God, I'm just thinking about Sonequa Martin-Green. What I love about her, which is also what I love about Star Trek, funny enough, is that she can play the most like driven, dramatic, dripping with tension moment and then just be so silly the next moment. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, she's so, so funny. Yes. Oh, she has such fun levity and comedy in her performance. Like, so the body swapping, oh my God, it'd be so fun to see her <laughs> like have to help navigate that situation. Um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I would say this, that Discovery is a little edgier. They would have been a little sexier, I think, the episode if it was done in Discovery. Oh, uh, like, yeah, yeah. Some of the conflict wouldn't have been about how he organizes his room, but maybe it's like she, you know. To Fring being like, it is logical for both of us to enjoy this. And Spock saying, I, I was thinking that I might give you a little more attention this time around. And uh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, or just, or even just her being like, it, this is an optimal position for us to be in, you know, like just stuff like that might've, it seems like the mechanics of that might've come in a little bit more and would have been more fun as well. Yeah. It was a little sanitized for sure. Yeah. Yes. Like. And, and that's intentional. I think, I think the tones of the two shows, one's trying to be much more appealing to the families and discovery was mm-hmm. not trying to do that. So just, I like this question cause it is fun to think about that. And any chance we get to talk about Sonequa Martin green and, and Michael Burnham, um, especially positively, I think is great. So, cause I think there's a yeah. lot there. She has like a great swagger, good screen presence, um, oh yeah, and she's great for this for the franchise. Um, mm-hmm. That leads us into the big question: Trek, marry or kill? Spock and Muck. I think it's clear. It's clear how I feel about Spock and Muck. Marry. <laughs> uh, I'm with you. I I decided to I, all my quibbles. It was the radical empathy. Just realizing, like, I have to understand the people making the show, what they're trying to do with it. And um, and as a, if you are like, what's the strange new worlds about? I would say you have to watch Spock and Muck. It doesn't doesn't have to be your yeah. first episode, but you got to mm-hmm. watch it. Um, I agree, Mary. Yeah, I you know I usually it's cool that you say that because I was thinking at the end of this episode, I was like, this is an episode that I would send to someone if they were like, hey, I want to watch start watching Star Trek or Strange New Worlds. What should I start with? Usually, I'm like, start from the beginning and rough it out the way the rest of us did (laughs) but (laughs) but i think with this show and even because oh goodness i i i didn't mean to talk about this but i guess i'm going to talk about it i had trouble getting into lower decks and it took me a, a while to get into it i'm still not like caught up and i'm still trying to like watch episodes here and there but i could not get through the first three episodes i just had a lot of issues that were mostly about the character stuff just character mm-hmm. building that kind of rubbed me the wrong way but someone was like watch this other episodes like deep into season three watch this episode and i and i was like i'm a completionist i have to watch it all from beginning to end but thank god i let that go and watch the episode because then i was like i get the show now so sometimes you do need to let give someone an episode that's later in the season once they've kind of figured stuff out yes. and this is a good episode for strange new worlds if someone's like i'm not sure about strange new worlds 
you give them, you just slide this episode across the table slowly and be like, I got you. This is it. Spockamuck. Aliza, thanks so much. Is there anything you want to plug or spotlight? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I'm working on right now is that we are launching a new Star Trek Adventures campaign, uh, Clear Skies Perseverance. My TTRPG group is called Streampunks RPG, and we're an indie collective of gamers, producers, and players uh, who love playing together. That's so cool. And so we're partnering with some, yeah, like we're partnering with some other Star Trek, uh, actual like Star Trek licensees. So uh, Star Trek Online is the MMO game. And then Modifius is a publisher of Star Trek Adventures game systems so we're partnering with them to bring this this show to life and we're going to start streaming that january 30th is our preview game and then starting february 6th the following monday we're going to have weekly episodes from 6 to 9 p.m pacific uh for a few months then and we're just gonna let it ride and explore utopia planitia and the shipyards and and the shenanigans of the the employees at that shipyard Excellent. Um, that this will this episode's coming out in March, so that's been going on for a while now. So check in on that and uh, definitely. Yeah, you can go look right yeah. now. Then. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then social media. Do, do you want people to follow you or no? <laughs> Leave you be or what, you can. What are your okay. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, you can. I I probably will still be on Twitter <laughs> by March. Um, I'm at Alisa Pearl, A-L-I-Z-A Pearl, uh, on Twitter and Instagram and Hive. And I'm the real Alisa Pearl on TikTok. And um, great cosplayer too. Fantastic. Oh, thank you. I feel like I haven't cosplayed in forever, but thank you. (laughs) The pictures are still up. (laughs) You can find all the standings for our episodes, Our Strange New World, at trekmarykillpod.com. Until next week when we'll be back with an all-new episode, TMK out. <laughs>